0: Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa Pace. What's
1: up, guys? This is Joseph Benavides, UFC flyweight.
0: Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to it's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun.
2: Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? Amazing.
0: Radio.
1: Welcome to It's M-Amazing Radio. I am your host, Dr. Law. With me as always, DJ Mark. Sup. Also joining me this week, Kid Presentable. Hey, hey. No Lavender Gooms this week, and my idea to find a replacement literally happened as the the intro music was playing. And I'm like, well, I guess this isn't happening. Should have thought of this five hours ago when Mike told me. Um,
0: um i i feel like when we uh hung out and watched fights uh digitally uh we were all in like a hangout room together i think we found uh our buddy max is a perfect replacement for mike because max just be coming with a quick hitter dad jokes the corny puns yeah they just like the jokes that i don't even need but he's filling that air he, he's got he's got your number mike so uh be careful about your place
1: yes right mike doesn't come back next week we're bringing max in um, all right, boys and girls, we're gonna talk a little bit about this uh, UFC card at the Apex. Um, they're gonna be at the Apex just for a while. Um, headlined by um Edmund Shabazian uh and Derek Brunson um grinding halt to the hype train there. Uh, talk about a couple of other fights on this card and the just the disaster that it was. Quite frankly, um, shit was just dropping left and right. We got a guy with a heart condition. We got JoJo Calderwood looking like she wants to be anywhere but there. Um, she lives in Vegas. A very short distance to travel. Um, we're going to talk about uh, next week's UFC card. Uh, last one before the upcoming pay-per-view. Um, we're also going to talk about Bellator putting on a card that looks like, Hey, if Stefan liked Bellator, he would watch this. Um, <laughs> that's really it. Yeah. Um, and uh, I don't know what's going on in the news. I'll be straight with you guys. So we're going to do stuff we like. I'm going to talk about the Umbrella Academy, saying I liked it. was going to say he didn't like it so much. So let's uh, lead off here. Derek Brunson, Edmund Shabazian, Marcus. Derek Brunson, before the fight, said, this kid has a lot of first-round wins. That's good and all. But looks like he's never faced any adversity. Looks like Derek Brunson's like, oh, let's see what this guy's got in the second round, huh? Yeah,
2: no, I mean, I think he he has been critical after the fact of, you know, saying how he was, you know, highly underrated in this fight. And I think he's absolutely right in saying that, you know, um, I, I know I do not value Derek Brunson as much as, you know, I think his record holds. And, you know, after this fight, I went back and looked at his record and I was like, you know, and I think, you know, part of it is just we've seen Derek Brunson have fights where he did not look like the caliber of fighter that he actually is. Um, Because sometimes he can be a little uh, loose and reckless when he's being super aggressive. And, you know, against the elite, he's gotten caught. You know, I mean, you look at his losses. One, you look at his losses, and that's the name of nothing but killers. You know, those are all title holders or contenders. You know, you look at Romero, Souza. Actually, I think we talked about Souza never got a shot, huh? But he's all, he's been in the conversation. I mean, really, the people he's lost to are the cream of the crop and. You know, Edmund had a lot of hype behind him. And I think, you know, we looked at, you know, who he had fought, and that record wasn't as stellar. But I think we put a lot of emphasis on Brad Tavares and him getting a finish there. um, I think does speak highly of his skill set. But Derek Brunson came in a little bit more calculated. You know, he did, he's still prone to kind of going wild when he does get aggressive, but he was a little more calculating in these moments where he picked the right moments to kind of get a little extra aggressive, potentially leaving holes because you know, he was going to be able to negate, you know, the counters that Edmund was going to throw his way. So I think, you know, ultimately he utilized his whole games, uh, his whole, uh, you know, tool chest here, which a lot of it, I think when he's at his best, he uses his wrestling very effectively. He did that here. He got Edmund down multiple times. I think that highly depleted the stamina, which made him, you know, a lot less effective. And again, you know, we have a prospect that is fairly used to winning fights quickly, you know, And the veteran move is, you know, let's take this guy into deep waters and let's see how the tank holds there. And I think that really proved to be the undoing of Edmund. The second round, I think, was very tough for him. I think he started gassing really bad. And then, obviously, the story of the fight, which I think is what we'll probably talk about the most, is end of the second round, Derek Brunson's on top, landing fucking bombs. Basically, uh, you know, Edmund gets saved by the bell. He he got hit with the shot right before the bell that you could have stopped the fight it would have been all right if they stopped the fight right there because he got hit, and he basically kind of went down motionless, and then he took one more shot, and he kind of really wasn't there. But, you know, the bell came. Uh, Herb Dean was going to give him the opportunity to get that minute to potentially try to recover and see if he could, and I think that's obviously where this conversation needs to go from here. So, Bobby, I want you go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, Marcus, uh,
1: the doctor, Um, I don't know why he was even there because – it was weird. Like Dana White's criticism of the doctor in this case, I thought was like actually kind of like the whole situation looked like it was kind of unorganized the way they handled it. Like they like sat there like coaching this dude for a whole minute. And then the doctor came in real casual. We're going to call, you know, we're going to sit and see what this guy's up to. And then he looks at Edmund Shabasey and then he's just like, yes, he's good to go. And then we're all looking at like, and like all the announcers are just like, yeah, he, oh, he doesn't want to be here. This is over. And then I don't know, 40 seconds later, it's done. Um, i don't know what purpose the doctor holds in that per- in that regard if he's not gonna well, stop i mean i didn't
2: hear everything that happened in between the rounds because I always watch these fights now Sunday morning, and I just I zip through everything that isn't two guys fighting each other, which you know cuts the this this viewing time to like an hour twenty minutes, which is awesome. So I didn't hear a lot of the corner stuff before. My impression of what I did hear when they they started the round again was that Herb wanted the the doctor to take a look at him. And honestly, this is I think this was a really interesting case because everyone that has the ability to stop the fight got to touch this one. Um, Edmund had to choose if he wanted to continue to fight, and he still was verbalizing that he wanted to. The corner had a minute to look at the... And and honestly, I think this really comes down to the corner and the ref because the doctor, when they come in, they're going to say, like, what is stopping you from fighting? Is it you got an eye poke, you you can't see, you got a groin shot, you can't continue? Because the doctor's going to go in there, and the doctor, I don't think it's their job to read a fighter's body language And to make the call like, oh, this guy doesn't look like he wants to fight anymore. I think the doctor is really to be like, do you have a medical issue that is going to impair you in fighting? If the fighter says no, the doctor can ask, do you want to continue to fight? And if the fighter says yes, he doesn't really. I I don't know if it's the doctor's stance to be like, I don't think this guy looks like he should fight. And I think it's more the doctor's
1: medical opinion if, if he can continue, if he wants to continue. Yeah, I guess. I mean, in that case, the end of the round is not them not stopping at the end of the round for the actual strike isn't so much the point then because Steph, if he's, you know, if he look, if he says he wants to fight, the doctor says he can fight. His corner says he can fight. It was just entirely, um, I guess a will thing at that point, wouldn't you say like what he had left in him? Like a willingness. Uh, to fight.
0: Yeah. I I don't find it controversial whatsoever. Um, you brought up Dana's comments. Dana's comments were at his ass. Um, he said the ref talked to him for 10 minutes It was 30 seconds. He asked him three questions, of which he all affirmed positively to. What is the doctor doing if he's not asking him basic, like, are you there questions? You know, I I felt like the doctor did his job. Um, Yeah, it, it very much could have been stopped at the end of that second round. It wasn't, and like Mark said, everyone who had the appropriate power to stop the fight, got their eyes in. It was just one of those things we've clearly seen. He didn't recover in that time. The whole test was in that about minute and a half between rounds with the extra little doctor time and the you know usual cornering. Could he recover? The answer was no. He he. You could have stopped it because he never came back. Um, yeah, he,
1: that's fair. Um, Steph, something I want to uh, to Shabazian and his actual abilities here. Um, he just ran into I think what happens to a lot of young fighters and. There's a lot of different ways it can go. Like, um trying to take this back to you guys remember when like Wonder Boy showed up in the UFC? And that's not to say this kid is gonna be as good as Wonderboy or anything, but Wonderboy showed up in the UFC, knocked a couple dudes out, looked really cool, and then the UFC's like, oh, I wonder if he can beat Matt Brown. And then Matt Brown was still standing after Wonder Boy threw all of his cool shit for the first round and a half. And then it became a real problem for him. Um, another example will probably be Charles Oliveira. Where everybody's like, look at all these cool submissions he's doing. And then they made him fight Jim Miller. And Jim Miller's like, yeah, I don't care. Um, a lot of times these young guys, stuff it seems like they hit a wall. And how quickly they can... I guess make adjustments is really going to determine what kind of UFC career they have. Wouldn't you say?
0: <laughs> um, I, you know, I largely agree to the sentiment you're making, um, you know, and I, I spoke very hyperbolically about this man um, last week and then kind of in the aftermath of the fight, you know, like who is this guy and why should I be buying into the hype of him? Um, but I'm going to give him a very real criticism. He needs a different camp. Um, I'm not going to miss this. I'm not going to miss this chance to shit on Tarverdian because uh the narrative was no he's got a guy he's got a real guy um but all his flaws i've seen that repeatedly he's got good hands right he has good fast hands he seems to have power he had really nice looking combos so i get you know he, he wrote that's what he wrote to this point in his career um he has really poor head movement Derek brunson is not a super accurate power striker he's not necessarily known as that he's known as a wrestler he was landing pretty easily um His defensive grappling needs a lot of work, Um, and Tarverdian's camp outside of Ronda, there's no grappling acumen in the history of that camp. They're a boxing gym. Um, He showed, you know, he showed heart. He's tough, but his gas tag isn't there, so if he's going to beat whatever his potential is as a fighter, he's not going to achieve it at the Tarverdian camp. They don't have the guys to teach him what his weaknesses are because his flaws are what we've seen from other Tarverdian fighters.
1: Marcus, I thought there was, like, this kid would throw, like, punches, and it would land on Derek Brunson, and Derek Brunson would still be standing there, and I almost thought um, Shabazian was like, oh, man, you're still there? That that did nothing? Um, It just almost looked like the kid had no plan for anything beyond, I'm going to throw a bunch of heat, and Derek Brunson's not going to be there at the end. Yeah, I mean, I I
2: think that's fairly accurate to say, you know, and... When you look at his last three fights, you know, he, he has been able to go out there, put a lot of pressure on these guys and get them out quickly. And I think that was mostly the game plan, too. And, you know, I think the comparison Steph's drawing to this talent that this gym has done and you look at Ronda, you know, there was, there was a lot of similarities there. Um, obviously, there was a couple of fights where Ronda got into the the later rounds and she still looks good, like against Misha Tate. Um, but we also saw, you know, when they ran up against someone that stylistically did not match well with them, Ronda kind of crumbled, right? And we saw that here as well. So, I mean, yeah, I don't think we should close the book on Edmund, but definitely the hype has been stalled a little bit. I think a lot of other fighters are going to look at the game plan that Derek Brunson put in place here and will try to utilize that against him again. So yeah, this is really going to be, um, you know, a training exercise for him to see, you know, what adjustments they make at the gym, how he evolves as a fighter. Um, but the, these are the steps that most fighters have to take. You know, most guys do not stay undefeated their entire careers. They eventually run into a wall like Derek Brunson that exposes, you know, flaws they have in their game.
1: And, you know, and everything break- he does is getting magnified, too, because of the hype. And you came in as a three to one favor against a guy who is a veteran who's a top 10. And that's saying something. And like, you know, he's 22 years old. So, we can't really close the book. We just want to see where he goes from here, yeah, right? <laughs> he
2: was thrust into the spotlight as well. You know, this wasn't supposed to be a main event, but it, it became a main event and then a lot of eyes came on him because he was the favorite. Um, so uh what I do want to say, uh, we kind of already kind of talked about the officiating of of this fight, but I do want to give credit to, to Herb Dean and and where he did eventually end up stopping this fight because he knew and you know, I think it would have been fair if he stopped the fight in between the second and third, but he allowed him to go in the third And immediately once, you know, Edmund got taken down and got his back, he stopped the fight, you know, and I think that was a good call. We did not need to see Derek Brunson land, you know, 20 seconds, 30 seconds of unanswered blows. That was just completely unnecessary. We knew that this guy had, you know, basically no chance to win. You know, he had maybe one big shot. Maybe he could land Derek Brunson coming in on something. But, you know, once that scenario played out and now he was going to be in a defensive position, I think Herb made the right call. I think maybe a lot of the criticism coming from his last uh you know event with and all the the hubbub with dan hardy's maybe made him a little bit more eager to stop a fight when someone's in trouble and not let them you know take suspended damage to really solidify this guy beat that guy we already knew so i did want to give credit to herb there you know once he basically wasn't in a bad spot he didn't allow him to just take more punishment which i think would have been a really bad stoppage so i think he did I think the appropriate time would have been in between the second and third he could have just stopped it but I did like that once he was just in a position where he was in trouble he stopped the fight he did not allow him to do yeah because those were, so those, like were
1: those were those aren't really shots of like let's end the fight that was really like okay this guy's done like he doesn't need to be here like if that yeah you know um rest of this card we're gonna go through a little more quickly here um uh jo- jo- Joanne Calderwood like she just a recap um she got outstruck she in the clinch she got beat up she got taken down she got put in an arm bar she didn't really i mean i'm not a jiu-jitsu person but it looked like she wasn't she didn't have the sense of urgency you probably want she tapped out uh she went backstage and she fainted and um that just went as bad as possible steph Oh, I did,
0: right? You you really feel for Jojo. Again, we just like her, right? She she's a fun fighter to watch when she's on and she's a very likable, like nice personality. Um, but you know, she was in a bind. People will say it was a mistake. She needed to fight. She needed to get paid, she needed to make money, you know. Um she might have possibly forgone a bigger payday against Valentina, but for health, maybe it was best. She's I think, you know, had she gotten that title shot. She would have been a massive long shot, right?
1: None of I us. I mean, would have, if, she, if she showed up like this, she would have gotten hurt no, against no, Valentina. Yeah,
0: no, no, <laughs> none of us would have given her a chance in hell against Valentina. So you know, the whole that she lost her title shot, it, it was going to be a long shot. Um, I hope she bounces back. I hope the fainting thing wasn't anything serious, um, and I just hope she can fight again soon. Um, but for Maya, you know, she capitalized, right? Like that was slick. That was beautiful. And look, it's a skill set, right? It's, it's what you need when you're going in against the champ, right? Valentina is going to be a big, big favorite. But at least you can say, hey, if Valentina gets a little loose, if she gets a little lazy, maybe Maya can you know, catch her in a scramble and make it interesting. You know, We at least get to theorize uh, a possibility here, right, as opposed to when another stand-up fighter goes against Valentina. It's like, you know, you're not better than her. Um, so, you know, at least it'll be interesting from a story point that way, right? So, um, yep. big moment for her.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, McCardle was getting a title shot off a one-fight win streak. That's what this division's at. So she gets one or two again. I think she can, she, she's
0: the most recognizable name outside of
1: Valentina. I mean, I, in this I, division. I when they got booked, I think I was the one I was just like, oh, you know, she's a stand-up fighter. This could be fun. But in my head, I'm still like, she's gonna get killed by Valentina. Um, Marcus, Vicente Luque remains a bad, bad man. Just he's out there trying to hurt people, and. Yeah. This was I a mean, great
2: performance. Uh, this is
1: the this is the guy I want on free TV, man. Just give me Vincente Luque fucking people up.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean he, he's an action fighter. You know he's someone that when they're on the card, you should definitely carve out some time to make sure that you, you see him perform. I think Randy Brown was a really interesting opponent. You know, another kind of prospect that um, you know has been paying their dues in the UFC, and I think you know Vince Vince was easily you know his biggest test. And I think Luque really just he did his homework on this fight, and he quickly established that he's not going to let. Uh, Randy Brown control the outside he's not going to allow him to use his strongest weapon which was his jab um, the uh, uh, commentary picked up on it very quick he was countering all of his jabs with low kicks and you know that's a really great counter move uh, because I think the problem that he was going to face is, is the range right he's going to be on the outside what tools is he going to be able to utilize to combat the the jab and the, and the straight rights and, and that was low kicks off of him and he did a really good job. You know, Randy Brown needed to make adjustments to reestablish that tool, his jab. Um, he wasn't able to do so. You know, he basically got his leg chopped up, and it was it was a lot of Randy Brown trying to make adjustments on the fly, switching stances, going back to orthodox, and you know, there's there's only so many things you can do. He could try to faint the jab and check the kick. I thought faint the jab and throw a right straight because a right straight's a great counter off the low kick. You know, there were certain things he could do, but uh, obviously luke had this scouted and was you know outside of just having a good game plan for taking away that big tool you know the dude just has a bunch of nasty strikes that you know once randy brown is uncomfortable and is making adjustments that's where he's going to open himself up to those shots and that's just where uh you know luke Luke was just able to further uh you know widen the gap between the two and you know ultimately we talked about this right before the show because i remember um Luque won, but I couldn't remember the ending sequence, and, and it was a little. I don't think it was controversial, but it was very close. Where they were basically in a kind of sprawl position, and uh, Luque, knee got a really clean knee, in which basically is the strike that led to the end of the fight. And at that moment, Randy Brown was trying to put his hands down to to stop knees from the head, which is just it. It's such a great area that I really hate this in the rule set because the guy on top, uh, you know, Luque in this. He doesn't, have, he doesn't have a sight on the guy's hands and what he's doing. If he's reaching down to the floor, if he's covering his head, he really can't tell clearly. So, you know, I, and that's why I just advocate. Just have him knee to the head all the time. You don't have to run into this, you know, pussy footing around like, oh, is his hand down? is he got one finger down? Does he need a palm down? It's like, no, just, you know, have a knee. You know, make it the knee on the ground. But anyways, you know, it was not an illegal strike. It was very close. Um, but, you know, he did, I, I, and I didn't really see it in the replays. He, he did pull him up a little bit, so he he cleared um, so he wouldn't be touching the ground. Landed a great knee, which stunned Randy. And then he finished it with some hellacious ground uh, ground and pound uh, from that position. So, you know, a, a great win for uh, Luque. He's kind of in a weird position where he's got a couple shots, you know, at potential title vindication and has has lost those fights. But he's very much in that realm right now. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, who he matches up. Uh, next, with I think Bobby, you mentioned post-fight, he called out Nate Diaz. I think that's stylistically a good matchup for him. I think there's a lot of interesting guys he could fight. I mean, I think him and Jorge would be a lot of fun. I think there's a lot of. I mean, I think we gotta take cool. him
1: out of the guys who want to get paid category. I mean, let's be honest, they're not gonna fight a guy nobody knows. That's unfortunate. None of them want to fight him because he doesn't bring any recognition. But I think hey, well, what's Robbie Lawler up to? Does Robbie Lawler want to fight
0: still? Robbie Lawler
1: can fight this. I mean, I
2: think. I mean, for me personally. Like, he got on my radar, right? And I have to imagine some of the more hardcore fans, he's also on the radar. I do agree. He's not in the stratosphere of a Nate Diaz or Jorge Masvidal. But we do know that those would be fun matchups. Like, this guy is someone that the fans would get behind if they saw more of his fights. I don't think his Thompson fight was, like, super entertaining. But most of his
1: fights, yeah, you know. It was which, pretty good. Him and I, Thompson? I don't
2: think you remember it to, to be.
1: No, we, I mean, there was a lot of people thought he was going to beat Thompson because of, I mean, people got hyped for that just because of the violence possibility. What's Anthony Pettis up to? What weight class is Anthony Pettis at? Send him the fight for Luke. K. That sounds like a good time, too. Um, Stefan. Bobby Green. Uh, him and of Venata did it again. Good fight. Bobby Green putting aside his uh, Triple H celebration. Just a, just a nice night, I feel. Hearing Bobby Green paid off his house, doing a time capsule interview for his children. Overall, I felt really good. How about you?
0: I mean, I made a lot of jokes last week. I mean, I, I confused the hell out of Mike by uh, breaking down how Lando was going to win the fight. But then, uh, you know, doing the old switcheroo and uh, making my pick Bobby Green. But like you said, man, I was, I'm a, I'm a ride or die for Bobby Green. I, I really enjoy this dude. I really like this guy. And um, honestly, I will say this was probably the best night he's had since that Josh Thompson upset that put him on the map. Like, this is the best he's looked. And, you know, one of those things that, you know, when I was breaking it down in terms of why I thought he would lose to Lando, it's just what he looked like in his losses is he's a little not gun-shy, you know. Uh, he's he, His timing on those counters aren't quite there. He's just jawing. He's saying that these strikes that hit him don't hurt. But he's not really Landon. Um Here, his counters were crisp. He was timing it really well. And he went on the offensive, um, and that was a really great thing to see with him. Uh, apparently, this new camp that he's with has him refocused. And the corner, or not the corner, the broadcasters kept talking about it. Like, this looks like the most focused Bobby Green's ever been in his career. Uh, he was landing great combinations, and it was that straight punch. Whether it was a jab or just a, I think he's a southpaw, just so a straight left. Like, his punches were just lighting Lando up. And, you know, he's one of those guys where, like, he he falls into that Diaz brothers school of fighting where he's not going to get you with any one single shot, but if he can land and just pepper you up, you're going to feel it. Um, even even Lando's quarter in between rounds is like he's quick, right? He's quick. We we knew he'd be quick, but um they were acknowledging it and like you said, Bob, to what he was talking about, paying his house off, um, just giving a heartfelt speech to his boys, like, you know, hey, this is for my kids. If you see this one day, I want you to know what you could overcome. Cause like that's one of the endearing things about him, man, is like this is a man who's gone through real hell, really scraped from the bottom to get to where he's at, you know, and he he's fighting for his survival. Um, really happy for Bobby Green. This is the best he's looked. Um, since, again, that Thompson fight, so um, where he goes from here, you know, uh, it'll be fun to see. He's got a good wrestling background, so he can keep it standing, so um, you know, it
1: Megan's going to be a lot of good action fights for him in this division. Lando, 3-5-2 and two in UFC, has really carved himself out as a guy where you're like, you want a pretty good fight? Let's just put Lando Venata on the card. Not so much going to get yourself a paid or a title shot in that regard, but eh, you know what? He got fight of the night, so uh, good for him. Um, this card. Before we put the, close the book on it, man. Uh, Jonathan Martinez missed weight by five pounds. Still beat Eric. Beat Frankie Signs. Um, we lost Kevin Holland. Or did we lose Kevin Holland or Trevin Giles? Trevin Trevin Giles. We lost Giles right?
0: is the one who fainted on his way.
1: And he's got some sort of heart condition, maybe now. Which horror, oh, Jesus! Hope he's okay. Um, we lost, uh, Eric Spicely, and then he lost his job, too. Um, not sure what happened there. Um, Ray Borg was supposed to be on the card, and we lost that fight, too. There was only eight fights on this card. The last time the UFC fight had a card had this few fights was August 2014. UFC 177, which took place at the Sleep Train Pavilion in Sacramento. And Mark was there. Uh, TJ Dillashaw Joe Soto in the main oh, event. yeah. Because uh, fucking Henan Barrow could fucked himself up and couldn't make that fight. Um, yeah, Derek Brunson also on that card. Um, UFC is gonna be okay. You know, I'm, I keep saying gonna be, and it's always at the apex. I want to say this: the UFC is not going anywhere. Right, they're just at the apex. I don't think there's any more Fight Island
2: stuff planned. When okay. The events, like the furthest one out, is that Habib fight, and I don't think they have a venue for it because, like, maybe they're thinking they can go somewhere else or get an audience, which doesn't this, seem likely. This, so why not just have it? Let that me event.
1: let me say this. I really like this like short card thing, and I have an idea. There's no th- there's no like infrastructure issues here. The cage is there. You own the building. Every Wednesday night, just send out like these guys who would be on the undercard. Air it on whatever ESPN Plus, air it on YouTube. Just expanded Dana White contenders. Just let's just make the other card shorter. And you know what? If some if people want to watch it on Wednesdays, they do. You know, some people will. You're not paying those guys anything. You're paying them ten and ten. That way, on Saturdays, you give us an eight fight card, and we're all happier. No one else like this idea because I just came up with it right no, now. I do. I'm I'm all <laughs> for.
2: You know, we we're looking at next week's card and it's what another like 12 13 fights? it's just a lot it's a lot to ask of anyone to like actually sit down and spend the no, seven wait, hours take, take
1: like half these fights put it on wednesday make tim means versus the other guy be the main event so maybe i'll tune in at the end to see tim means fight and I then mean, the rest honestly
2: honestly <laughs> I, I i don't know cuz i don't watch other sports is there any other sport that lasts 6 hours is there any other sport where they ask so, the they ask people if you're gonna watch this whole fucking thing? It's a six hour commitment.
1: Stefan, how long shit. is golf? I'm sorry, how long is golf and NASCAR? Uh, Those golf are the cars, how I how long is NASCAR? How, how long, long is golf and NASCAR? I don't know
0: of a thing. I think it's like
2: he's like four hours, but <laughs> I don't know. And there's pre <laughs> shows for that shit too. So I mean, that that's probably dude.
1: Baseball right. is three hours. Football's three hours. NBA games two and a half hours. Look, in fairness, when this shit started, they weren't airing any prelims. And they would just, you know, the good shit was on the main card and we just and heard about the prelims. I,
2: I, I don't think they actually expect a lot of people to watch the prelims unless it's one of these, like, pay-per-view cards where it's like most people aren't going to buy the pay-per-view, so they might watch the prelims because it's something. But I, I don't think a lot of the fan base is watching the whole thing. I would hope... No, dude, if, if we're we not watching the whole- fan base, that's like... Yeah. like we're, if, if, the, if we're not the fan base that does a fucking free podcast, free advertising every week for the UFC... And their product, if we're not watching the whole thing,
1: it's hard to imagine a lot of people are, you know. Um. I'm just saying, like, I mean, like, I mean, even now when I'm sitting at home, I'm not, like, watching every one of these fights. I still show up about halfway through,
0: you know. In, in defense of it, in defense of the scheduling, it's honestly, as the one who's probably the least into MMA these days, um, it's not about the number of fights. It's about what are the fights. You have to give me a fight I want to see. If you, if you if you gave me twenty eight fights and I wanted to see all of them, I'd watch all of them. But a lot of these kind of no name guys on the up and up um, versus other no Wikipedia page guys, it's it's tough to sell me on that.
2: I feel like for me personally, having now watched fights after the fact, it's like I can't do even a main card. All the com- and it's just like and it it is repetition and maybe hey UFC sale team. Get more advertisers because it's bumming me the fuck out. Like, when what? I when I see the same Burger King commercial 13 times, <laughs> <fuck> <laughs> me, dude. This is my life. I'm spending time watching the same commercial over and fucking over. Yeah, you pay
1: for ESPN Plus for them to give you a commercial.
2: For it. I'm paying for the privilege to watch this shit. So It's just like... I mean, look, at I love the at t girl because she was going to be Squirrel Girl. I'm glad she got that commercial ad added back, you know, but fuck me. I've seen that thing like probably two hours of my life has been watching that same fucking commercial. I'm so tired of it. So, you know, I'm glad they do video on demand. And it sucks ass because I YouTube is probably my main source of entertainment. And... They don't give a fuck about spoiling shit there, right? When some dudes post-fight interviews up, it's right there, and they're fucking on my block. So I usually already know who wins, but that's on me. I'm making that sacrifice. I know I could avoid YouTube to not see who's going to win, and I don't even care because it's just like, whatever. And I'm still going to watch the fight. I'll still enjoy. I still want to see what actually happens, but like at this point, having watched so much UFC content, I just like I can't justify watching this shit live because it's just like so much of my time is just like wasted with the ads. So I just, I just want to say, you know, when I fast forward, it's like boom, fight, five minutes per round. I fast forward. I don't even I don't even give the minute in between rounds. Even if you're talking to the fat, I don't care. I just all I want to see is dudes fighting, which reminds me, of, like you guys used to say, like some some dude on YouTube used to do that with pro wrestling, right? Like cut all the shit. And just show me the moves and the pin, and we're good. I don't need all the, the extra hype. I don't need the the interviews and the hype and the
0: new trailers and another commercial break. It's just, for me, it's yeah. like too much. Shout, yeah, YouTube, shout-outs to Wrestling Reality. He takes that three-hour episode of Monday Night Raw, condenses it to a good 26 minutes. Dropkick, dropkick, power slam. The Fiend is here. Submission lights. It's beautiful. Yeah, it. a beautiful. That, way to watch I love it.
1: I just want to say I, too, love the AT&T girl. And I'm happy she got her commercial. Me too. That's, just want to emphasize that. And Bobby Mike's not here.
0: There's space. She's, She's in great. it. And it's uh, one of the greatest, super low-budget sitcoms. Well, of- I thought
1: I was going to get into an argument with Mike a couple weeks ago about at girl. But that, I mean, he's not here to defend himself. But he was wrong and very wrong. Just want to say that. Um, all right. UFC has got a card. Bellator's got a card. Bellator's card's happening first. We're going to talk about that first. Um. Also, because it's better, You're still prop. up. It's got better name value on it. <laughs> I mean, I don't. I mean, I'm looking at actually. You know what, we're right. I'm picking. this fight. I'm gonna say, fight. you
0: know what, put some respect on Alexei Olenek's
1: name because I'm gonna pick that motherfucker in this fight. Um, Benson Henderson, Michael Chandler, Benson Henderson uh, and Chandler are running it back. These guys fought. I don't know how many years ago. I'll be honest. Um, but Mark and I were there. Um, and it was fucking awesome. Just a sick fight. Um, Bendo got hit with like three German suplexes, um, which I don't know how you describe a German suplex to someone who's not a pro wrestling fan, but grabs the guy by the waist from behind and throws him over your shoulder.
0: I mean, I think if you're an MMA fan, you should know what a German suplex is by this point. Yeah.
1: <laughs> also, if you're, you you should have seen that fight. Um, they fought, it was God four years ago? Damn. Uh, Mark and I were there. Uh, split decision loss for Bendo. Um, if I remember correctly, Mark and I both thought Chandler won. I'll be honest, we were influenced by Chandler throwing the other man over his shoulder. Um, The crowd did not like Chandler winning. Um, And then after the press conference, Mark tried to cheer up Bendo, and Bendo didn't seem to care. Uh, So (laughs) that was really the highlight for me. Betting odds for this one, Stefan? Uh, Pretty big.
0: Um, Chandler coming in at a two and a half favorite at minus 240 to a plus 200 Benson Henderson.
1: Uh, Mike is taking Bendo. Um... Michael Chandler is on a one-fight-win streak, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Benson is on a one-two-three, four-fight-win streak. Um, Benson, doing what Benson do. Some split split in there, some other decisions. Give him this. I know all the people he beat here. Roger Huerta, Saad Awad, Adam Piccolotti, and Miles Jury. Those are some decent scalps. Mike's picking Bendo. Stefan, who you got? Oh, Mike, what a fool. You could have had this favorite for free
0: because I was always going to take Bendo. Um, I, I don't like Michael Chandler. I've never really believed in him. Uh, he's incredibly inconsistent. He's not a bad fighter, um, but he's never been this marquee guy in my eyes that Bellator has really tried to sell him to be. Um, you said one fight win streak that fits in line with he's a little inconsistent. He drops the ball at times. Um yeah, even though uh, Bellator really wants to get in on him. Because uh, speaking of commercials, I've seen way too many times in my life. All those Dave and Buster's ones, um, those, where King Mo doesn't even get a line. That's the one part I like, though, is King Mo just has to emote and react with his face and his hands. Uh, he doesn't get any speaking roles. You know <laughs> he, he ad-libs some
2: lines, and they're and the editing, and <laughs> <like, laughs> <"No, that laughs> I don't know. know what this guy's trying to do. Have him nod and
0: smile good We're enough. We're just going to cut that. Uh, that's fair, but... Um, yeah, I love Bendo, his his little adorable Korean mom, who I will forever remember for that countdown episode where they were talking about her competing in her first Jiu-Jitsu tournament and then it shows the start of her match and then it cuts to her holding her arm and I'm like, Oh no, she got subbed. <laughs> but uh yeah, I, I'm a fan of Bendo. Um I didn't see I don't remember the first fight. Honestly, I don't think I saw it, but uh yeah, hopefully you win, Bendo. Mark.
2: Uh, Yeah, I have Chandler. Um, You know, I'm kind of the opposite end uh, where Stefan's at. Uh, I think Chandler is a fantastic talent. I think he's probably one of the most entertaining and, you know, skilled guys that Bellator has on their roster. I think he has been for a while. I think if you haven't seen Michael Chandler fight, um, you know, you're missing out because this guy has put on some really fun fights. Obviously, we were just talking about the the Benson Henderson uh, when he had previously. His fights with Eddie Alvarez were great. Um, He has a bit of a feud with, I guess, the smaller Pitbull brother. That's the one he just lost to. Um, But, yeah, I'm a big fan, um, and I'm mostly picking him because, you know, these guys have matched up before. I I do think Bendo is just a tough fight for anybody. I think stylistically it's tough for guys to get clean wins over him. So I do think this is going to be a competitive fight. I think it's going to be close. Um, What I would probably be more worried about is, um, you know, Chandler potentially hurting himself I think his other loss where he lost the belt he had a leg injury he
1: hurts himself a lot he does it's been a few I mean, fights. I think that's been
2: some of it I think it, when Stefan says inconsistencies I would say that like I think there's been a lot of fights he had to drop because he's gotten injured and I think that's an inconsistency that that I do find wary. obviously at this point we're pretty close to the fight he hopefully isn't injured so he should we should probably get a good performance and if he's 100% against Bendo it's still going to be close but I'm going to go with Chandler in this one
1: Stefan I too don't like Michael Chandler um what's, what's, I, your, what's your beef bob what's what's your issue with this moment? i remember i you know what the sad part is i remember he said some shit and i'm like oh, that's real fucking stupid and just, <laughs> just stuck in my head but he's an excellent fighter i think he's a great fighter i think he's gonna win just because they fought already once um bendo lost and i thought it was the right decision and look I I, think he's gonna win too that's why i'm saying mike is so foolish for not being Look, on the right side of this equation. M- Mark is just putting distance between us. And I can't just give these away every week. on like, I like this guy. Um, I got Chandler. Because I think I'm about to lose some stuff <laughs> in the next couple fights. But I got Chandler on this one. So, uh, Mark, we got to split on this. Yep. Um, co-main event. Chris Weidman versus man who's going to knock out Chris Weidman. Um, oh, we're jumping to that's, UFC now. That, that was like oh, Bellator. oh, God, I messed up. Right. Yeah, that's uh, my bad. Oh, uh, that's... Oh, and for Bellator, worth mentioning, uh, Mike Matt Mitrione versus Tim Cop Mustache Johnson is happening. Um, we also got um, Miles Jury taking on, um, now I've closed, oh, Georgie Karakanian, which is going to be a good fight. I hope, um, I hope so, Bob,
0: because I'd like to see Miles get back on track. Since his fall from the UFC, like, for a guy who looked really interesting when he was coming into the UFC— He's looked really rough his last series of fights.
1: I'll say this. Georgie Caracanian's is going to try to make it a good fight. If Miles Jury wants to acquiesce, Will will be in, in for a good time, those of us who choose to turn this on. And uh, Saba Hamasi, who I'm pretty sure is a UFC vet, is taking on Curtis Millinder. Um Jiu-Jitsu fucking whiz AJ Agazam is on the undercard. Valerie Laredo's on the undercard. Um, I don't know how you watch Bellator undercard. I want to say YouTube, but I, I don't know. Um, UFC headline Derek Lewis Alexei Olenek Derek Lewis um, is known for his balls his excellent Instagram page and throwing that heat Alexei Olenek is going to try to Ezekiel choke you and be about 150 years old Olenek is coming off of a split decision win over Fabricio Verdum two fight win streak there Derek Lewis last time we saw him um, was uh, beating up my boy the bricklayer Ilar Latifi um, I remember that fight being kind of close. Does anybody else or not? It was closer than it should have been. Um, yeah, I remember thinking, Elar's not in the right way, class. What are we doing here, Derek Lewis? Uh, betting odds for this one.
0: Uh, Derek Lewis is a pretty big favorite. He is coming in at minus 225 to Alexi's plus 185 underdog. Uh, Mike, uh, Mark, does Mike have his pick
1: listed there? No, he didn't give me anything. I didn't know Gee- how you do Bendo. He Gee- picked Bendo. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ, Mike. Um, all right. Um, I, I got Derek Lewis. I don't want to explain myself because I don't really have any confidence in it. I think he might get choked, <laughs> Stefan. <laughs> um, I mean, well,
0: someone's got confidence, Bobby, because he's more, again, he's more than a two to one favorite. So, how did that work um. for
1: Edma Shabazian
0: last week? <laughs> yeah, but you actually know what his background is. Um, yeah, Olenek is undervalued in this fight in my mind, but that's because Alexi Olenek is undervalued in every single fight he has because no one respects his style. But what is he? Uh, he's really tough, right? Um, so he's got the chin and durability to kind of weather some of the early storm that is Derek Lewis. Uh, he's got a good gas tank. Um, he, he'll he be there late into the fight if it goes late. Um, and if anything, that grappling acumen, um, can I see Derek gassing towards like the end of the second into the third? Uh, is this got five rounder as a main event? Um, Oh, Oh he- fuck. He- heaven help Derek Lewis. If it goes into <laughs> the championship rounds. Um, but this is, that's what Alexi does, right? He survives early. He takes you down late. He gets the choke. Um, if there's a guy that he could, Derek Lewis, he could knock him out. Right. Derek Lewis can knock out any man on this earth. But, um, again, Olenek, he's his game plan is what fells a guy like Derek Lewis. So, um, I'm, I'm happy to ride with the underdog here. Uh, Mark. Yeah, um, I'm going with uh, Alexi as well.
2: Uh, You know, Lewis had that run where he he got his title shot against DC. And, you know, leading up to it, I had kind of put a cap on how far this guy potentially could go. I didn't think he would ever earn a title uh, shot. Uh, But, you know, he got the the wins together. But I've always seen him have somewhat of of a limited skill set. And I think... Fighting guys that are going to going to grapple him and potentially can get him in those positions where he's going to have to get lean up against the cage and move there. I think that's kind of his kryptonite is, you know, that type of wrestling is very draining. And, you know, I think that that's ultimately what Alexis whole game plan is, is like get this dude in a clinch, tire him out, leaning on him, make him do, you know, pumble in and get him tired there. If you can get him to the ground, that's where he's really going. Because what I like about Derek Lewis on the ground is that he knows how to escape shit. You know, he's not completely useless under there. And he knows that, like, to get out of side mount, I have to explode. I have to use a lot of energy all at once to move this massive man off me. I think uh, Alexi's even tougher to to have those explosions on because he's used to, you know, these these kind of grappling scenarios. So I'm going with Alexi. You know, obviously Derek Lewis always has the power to put someone away, even when he's tired, even when he's been beaten down. You know, that power tends to stay with him throughout the fight. So he's always going to have that puncher's chance. You know, even when we're going into the fifth round, you know, we've been we've seen him there before. He's still going to be dangerous. But. I would be, kind of be surprised if we get that far because uh, I think if Alexi has survived the punches to that long, I don't think Lewis's gas tank is going to be able to hold up. So I am going with Alexi. Um, I do think the line's a little skewed here. Maybe it is because the dude's kind of boring. Um, it, it, but it's also weird because you look at his you look at his record and he's definitely gone up against some strikers and has gone out there really quickly. Walt Harris finished him in the first. Alistair Overing finished him in the first. But then you see guys like Mark Hunt who he submitted, and, uh, you know, Krokop, who he also beat. So he has a mixed record against high-caliber strikers. Um, I wouldn't call Derek Lewis, like, the most technical guy, but he just has that power. So I'm going to go with Alexi, but I do think it's close. And I do, you know, I don't think anyone's surprised at this point if Lewis is able to pull
1: it off. Mike has Derek Lewis. Good to know. Thank you. Um, Weidman. Versus Omari, Ahmedov. Um, Weidman, and I think this is a, uh, a pick-em-fight, right, Steph?
0: Uh, yeah, double favorites. We got Weidman as the slightly more favorite at minus 115 to Omari's minus 105.
1: Um, Weidman's won one fight in five years. Omari uh, has not lost a fight. So in over oh, four f- years in four years um i don't know how he's been in the ufc this long with me not knowing who the fuck he is like i'm wondering how it's possible this guy's been in the ufc seven years because and I honestly- uh,
0: he's a russian name he's a dagestani grappler and he's won a shit ton of decisions in the ufc so uh he's not a memorable guy who puts a stamp on
1: it yeah i'm picking him I um I look Weidman. There was a point. There was a time when Weidman. I was just like, this guy's gonna run this division for a long time. I'll I I won't forget when like him and Machida threw down. We were there, and then I remember Machida unloaded like a big combo on him, and then Weidman did like a like he did like he did the wave over like bring it, and I remember thinking like this is a bad motherfucker. Um, I just I don't have any faith at all anymore, man. He's always hurt. The fights. I mean, he's losing a ton. He moves up. He gets knocked out. And it's not. like, I mean, he's a middleweight. He gets knocked down. Granted, the people he's losing to Rocco, Romero, Musasi, Souza, Reyes—all fucking killers. Um, Omari, not necessarily that. I. This is the cliff, and this is where he goes off of it, or I'm really wrong. So I got, I got Omari. Um, Mike Scott Weidman, Mark. Just want to note that for sure. Um, Steph, who do you got?
0: Um, I agree with your point. I think this is the final is Chris Weidman washed test because mm-hmm. like you said, he's been getting put out by guys, right? Um, you know, like the Weidman era is kind of like the Machida era. I thought it was going to be a lot longer than it was. Um, you know, like I, was, I thought both those guys are like, oh, they're going to be here to stay a minute. And then it was over. It was just over like that. Um, yeah, I, I, it's the wash test to me because it's we, we've seen Weidman get put out. Now, can someone just control him? Can someone just unequivocally control him and he can't do anything about it? Um, and that's what I think, you know, uh, I'm, I'm taking Omari. I think we see that. Maybe it's not that super one-sided. Again, the guy's not super memorable, but he, I know he grinds to decisions. And so it's one of those, yeah, if Weidman loses in every facet, um, if he gets finished in this fight, that's an even worse look. Um, but that's kind of where we are with the guy's career. And unfortunately, I'm, I'm kind of betting against him having another run in him.
1: If he gets knocked out again, I wouldn't be surprised if he quit. Like, the whole thing, honestly. Um,
0: Mark, what do you think?
2: Uh, Yeah, we're going to split it. Uh, I'm going to go with Weidman. I I agree with everything you guys said. I think it's absolutely fair to question how much Weidman has in the tank. Um, And really, my basis on uh, him being able to win this fight, it it really has to do with caliber of fighter and style of fight. Um, You know, we look at the guys he lost, like you mentioned, cream of the crop you know these are the killers these are the contenders these are the guys that are in contention for title fights even when you moved up to 105 and fought uh dominic reyes um and we look at his opponent you know and he, he does have uh you know some uh ko stopping power but that seems to be earlier in his career in the ufc we have not seen him utilize that it's been a lot of decisions so you know stylistically on paper this should be a better Type of matchup for Weidman, someone that maybe isn't as dangerous on the standup, that's looking to potentially win rounds, because um, I think that's where I mean, maybe if he has anything left, if he has the wrestling, he could steal some rounds here and, and pick up a decision. So I'm going on on that that limb that m- the competition is what has been making Weidman look particularly poor. Um especially when you look at his record, like you mentioned Bob, a lot of names, but there is one name right in the middle, which you know, doesn't hold as much weight as it did you know maybe before he lost uh, recently, but you know he has a calvin Gasolum submission in the third round there. so um that gives me a little hope that you know, that wasn't too long ago, but after that it's been a fight a year and i think that inconsistently that inconsistency kind of says something about you know how much maybe he's putting into the sport cuz it seems like unless i think he has been getting injured here and there he's injured a lot yeah, he's got a I really that's he, he's got, probably why there is not he had neck
1: like, surgery at one point he's got a lot going on man like i mean if there's ever a guy where i'm confident in his clean in how clean he is as a fighter it's wonder it's Wideman because this dude is always Fucking under injured. Yeah.
2: So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with Weidman. Uh, I, I think this is a, a tough fight to pick. And a lot of it just has to do with, you know, how done is Weidman? You know, is, is this really his last stance and he really doesn't have much left in the tank and he's just hoping to, to squeak something by? Or does he know something that I mean, we're not seeing in his last fight? So he's more capable of, of more than what we've shown. You
1: know, who knows? Honestly, if he squeaks by the a decision here, it's not going to change my opinion that that's fair. we're circling drain here. Um, if he puts a stamp on it, like he puts this motherfucker down, which I hope he wins because with most fights, I'm hoping for a good fight. And a lot of times I'm hoping for the outcome, which produces the most interesting things going forward. And this Omari guy's been in the UFC for seven years and I don't know who he is. I mean, Weidman's a former champion. At least I got something there. Um, we're splitting this one though. Um, uh, we didn't, we're didn't. we not picking it, but uh sleeper fight in this card is Benil Dariush and Scott Holtzman. Um, Benil's been on a fucking tear. Four straight wins, um, three of them finishes, the last three, and, um, Scott Holtzman is 5-1-5 of six. Big wins over Jim Miller, Alan Patrick in there, too. That sounds like it's gonna be a good one, and it's a pretty close decision, so I'd watch out for that, too. Uh, um, it's on the main card as well, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, um, I think that's it. Um, let's do stuff we like. Um... I got one quick one, and then we're going to talk about Umbrella Academy a little bit. Um, This is real, like, specific to wrestling. But if you're a wrestling fan and uh, you watch AEW, I think you'd really enjoy being the elite. And it has been fucking hilarious the last few weeks. And it's mostly because of the Dark Order, which I didn't see myself saying a year ago. But those guys are hilarious. Brody Lee's hilarious. Alex uh Reynolds is hilarious. John Silver, Eva Luno. These motherfuckers are making me laugh my ass off every week. I saw this another episode that dropped today. I look forward to watching that the second this is over, quite frankly. It is my favorite thing to watch Mondays now. Um they've really hit their stride. Um Kenny Omega's being a giant dick, Hangman's drunk. It's a good show. Being the elite, check it out on YouTube if you're an AEW fan, which I don't know how you really watch a lot of AEW without being the elite at this point. Um Umbrella Academy season two. Steph, I was real excited because I was like, it's Umbrella Academy Day. It's something to watch. Um I flew th- through this shit in a couple days. No, you guys, Mark, you and Steph, I think are roughly in the same area actually when I talk to you individually.
0: About halfway through.
1: Yeah. Um I think um overall I like it. Not as much as the first season, because I really liked the first season. Um, Steph, I remember like, uh, going into the, I think I mentioned to you, like, I probably think I liked Umbrella. I was more excited for Umbrella Academy season two than the boys season two because I enjoyed, I think, Umbrella Academy a little bit more. You, I think you liked the boys more. Um, but season two it was okay. I liked it. I think I told you six or seven out of 10. Um, I think we disagree on which guy we dislike the most. I'm gonna let you go first on who you dislike the
0: most. Um, yeah, no, I mean, in, when it comes to the boys in Umbrella, okay, I, mean, I I really enjoyed both of them. Um, one of them was basically one of them was a PG-13 kind of vehicle. The other one was gonna be a more rated R uh, vehicle. So it's just you know a kind of slightly more mature outlook on what like you know the subject material is. But I enjoyed both of them. You know, I'm a big comic book guy. I'm a big superhero guy. I'm gonna always give the property a chance. Um, so I liked it. It's just kind of going into this, um, when the embargo lifted on the reviews, um, and I wasn't, you know, I was going mostly spoiler free, but like the reviews were all telling me like, oh, second two is season two is just better than season one. Like it is improving on everything that season one did well. So it it did kind of give me some expectations. Um, and halfway through it is very, very uneven for me. Um, There's good... See, the thing is, I think there's characters that are really good in the show, and then I think there are characters that are really bad, and that's what makes the show inconsistent. It's like, I'll enjoy a segment of an episode, and then there will be a whole other scene where, like, well, that shit didn't work for me at all. In fact, I actively dislike it, so it's kind of just... I don't know how to feel about it as a show because of that, because usually there's a more even pacing throughout. Um, For me, one of the main characters, I think Diego is absolutely just... I said it to you both. um, I I can't tell if it's bad acting or bad writing. In either way, that's a bad sign. Um, I can't tell who's at fault for why this character sucks, but this character really sucks. Um, If it's meant to be played for laughs, I don't think it's funny. Uh, Like, I don't know what the tone is of his scenes. I don't know if I'm supposed to cheer for him, against him. Is he comedic relief? Again, like I said, it's just really uneven for me. Um, But then a character like Five uh i don't know the kid's name who's the actor um, oh he killed it he's he's been great on both seasons to be honest and he's truly
1: I he the carries the show. whole show man um, he carries the show <laughs>
0: yeah and, and for being the youngest actor of the bunch that that's you know that's a a tall feat and so um yeah there's things i like like you know ellen page i like certain things about her character um i'm gonna spoil one of the immediate tropes um if you use amnesia as a vehicle you're lazy Uh, the second season, my understanding has completely its own vehicle. Now the season one covered most of the existing books. Um, It it kind of took from here and there of their best storylines. So they're kind of just doing their own thing now in the second season. Uh, And so that was one of the first things I noticed, which kind of led me like, if you're doing that, yeah, I'm going to notice some things throughout the season and I have. um, I'm going to finish it, but that's kind of where I am on it halfway through.
1: Mark, what do you think?
2: Uh, Yeah. You know, um, probably in a similar spot that uh, Stefan's in, you know, with how much I've uh, consumed so far. I think I'm on episode five or six. Um, I've really liked it. Uh, It has been long enough since the first season that, like, I wasn't really doing a lot of comparisons. I honestly have a hard time remembering a lot of the story beats in the first season, but what I think one of the strengths of the first season, which you know, the season doesn't have and and no sequel does, is that there's a lot of mystery and intrigue into the overall, like, who these characters all are, what's the storyline going on, and I think that was really strong in the first season because I think they have a really fun premise here with these kids that have superpowers um uh, and this dad that's kind of cropped them into some like superhero fighting team and how they splintered off I think that premise in and of itself is very interesting and in the first season we're learning about these characters and, and that keeps kept my interest going um, throughout that season. And I think there was lots of secondary characters that were really interesting. They had like the monkey butler, Pogo, and then they had the two um, time-traveling people, Hazel. I can't remember what Mary J. Blyde's character was called or even what happened to her. I honestly don't remember. But uh, there was a lot of fun stuff in the first season. And I've liked the second season quite a bit. But, you know, I'd agree. Diego's character is is kind of confounding a lot of times. because Most so because everyone else in the story is like, Yo, you have—I can't remember what what they call the medical, like heroism, or or what they call that. Like you're always trying to be the hero, and even he's like, "Yeah, I know, but I can't stop myself from being my idiot self." It's like, all right, dude, we get it. Um, but overall, it hasn't really. De- overall, I still am enjoying the show. I think it's well written. Um, I I think the premise is interesting enough. You know, they're stuck in the '60s. I think they're doing some interesting stuff with uh, the civil rights movement that was going along that time. The the hippie. Uh, movement that clout is going through. But I, I do find myself, you know, kind of like what you guys mentioned. Definitely there's scenes where I'm just not super invested in or what's going on in the scene isn't super interesting. In the last couple episodes, you know, I've been a little bit more willing to check stuff on my phone when, you know, it's not super engaging to me. So it's losing me a little bit. But overall, I'm really enjoying the show. Um, I think it's worth watching um, especially if you've invested time in the first season because I I do think that first season is really strong I think the premise is really interesting there's obviously a budget going into this that is making it you know not pull punches Um, but there is some writing stuff that doesn't seem super great like Steph mentioned the amnesia thing the fact that it wasn't that they did the time travel she got like hit by a fucking car and that's how she got the amnesia and I was like we didn't see any of that shit she's just living on this farm with these people and they just kind of
1: mentioned passing like oh I'm glad I hit you with my car and I was like Okay, I guess that explains that, but... I mean, here, here's a spoiler part, so... I mean, th- why does Diego give a flying fuck about stopping JFK from getting killed? Well, I, I think it's... Well, I mean, I miss that first. entirely. I think
2: it has something to do with, like, their birds have to deal with JFK, Like, because they, they mentioned something in this season, but, like our whole lives have been revolved around the assassination of JFK. And I can't remember what happened in the first season
0: that connects these necessarily. Yeah. I don't remember this at all. Steph, do you? Oh, well, it's not related at all. It's to uh, they. it's, it's his psychosis thing of that he has a hero complex. Oh, Okay. He's meant to be important oh. and do something. All right. And like, he just believes this is how I'll, I'll save the world is.
2: Yeah. Which I also, Bobby me? was like, okay, I get it. Like JFK was a prominent figure, but also like immediately when the premise of the show was like, we got pushed into this time frame, and now the world's going to end because we did some weird shit. I'd be like, oh, well, maybe you're not supposed to not assassinate JFK. Maybe let that shit happen, and everything's going to be fine.
1: Well, I mean, also, because, like, I mean, Steph, I told you, I think, the same, when I started watching, I'm just like, oh, shit. Like, they're tying in JFK. I'm fucking in because, as I mentioned on this podcast before, I'm a real nerd for American history from, like, 1960 to, like, 1973. Pretty much through Watergate, 74. Um, yeah, but, but yeah. yeah, it's it, like
0: uh, to compare it with an alternate history thing. Um, see, this is they have the right to do the sci-fi fantasy angle here. Uh, Man in the High Castle did not that they did not have the right to have a sci-fi twist on it.
1: Oh shit! If we're comparing the Man in the High Castle, this shit is fucking high art. What are you? Doing? <laughs> this thing <laughs> is winning well, all the awards. The last board. thing I will
2: say is you know I haven't finished it yet, so this is just my thoughts you know up to the halfway point or maybe slightly past that. So you know I. It, the, I think the season still could very much turn itself around. Like I said, I'm not like, it's not dreading me to tears. I'm still excited to see what's going to happen in the story. There's just, there's obviously at this point, last couple of episodes, there have been scenes where I'm just like, oh, okay, maybe I'll check out some shit on my phone while they kind of go over whatever. But yeah, still very much enjoying the show and would recommend it.
1: I uh, would like you guys to finish it so that the three of us could discuss the ending because I got thoughts. Um... You got thoughts or you got notes? Am I looking forward to the ending, Bobby? We'll I think see. it depends. I, de- I think it's it depends how you, what you say. I think it depends how you feel going up to the moment of the ending about what happened in the last couple episodes before it. Fair enough. Um, all right, um, Stefan, what do you got? I mean, that's all I have this week. Uh, I watched. I, I actually had. Some, I,
0: I I've been trying to think of it this whole goddamn podcast in the background. There was something I watched that I really enjoyed. It has not been able to come to me this entire time we've been recording so i'll come back to that another time so i'll keep it short um music recommendation uh homegirl phoebe ryan she released her first full studio album um i met her years ago uh when she was starting out over at uh she performed at the independent and SF, super small venue that uh, you know i actually got to meet her and hang out with her for a bit um i've seen her in other cities and shows since then um still chat with her um, so catch up with her because, uh, you know, remember, she actually, you know, she's still really cool where she's small enough that she has a lot of fan interaction. and You know, she remembers people who she met early on in this, um, saw her in San Diego kind of right before the quarantine uh, went on. Um, but, yeah, she's been putting out indie music, uh, not K-pop. Uh, she's an American artist, sings in English, more accessible to people. Um, she's of the genre dream pop. Um, hard to describe if you don't listen to it. Feel free to look her up if you want. Um, But her first studio album came out, and she's been working on it for three, four years. Um, So super happy for her. I've been enjoying listening to it. Um, And whatever I remember what the hell I watched this week, I will recommend it next week.
1: Fair enough. Um, Marcus. What's uh, what, what's the, what's the news this week? Yeah. Uh, oh, I have a question too. Before you get into it, okay? Are they really gonna fucking make Spider-Man exclusive to the PlayStation version of the Marvel game?
2: Yeah, I was uh, going
1: what to get into that.
2: <laughs> um. So first, I want to talk about uh, Fall Guys that's coming out on Tuesday. This is the one I mentioned last week. This is where you get sixty other. It's a you know big multiplayer game where you and uh, fifty nine other people kind of run through obstacle courses to see who ultimately wins after you know multiple rounds. Uh, of the game is look, looking really interesting, especially if you have a PS4, it's on, it's going to be on PlayStation plus. So it's basically a free game, uh, basically as you guys are listening to this. So, um, I'm really excited about that. It's been getting a lot of positive buzz. Um, like Bobby mentioned, uh, they just announced today that Spider-Man will be a, uh, exclusive character for, uh, Marvel's Avengers, which is coming out September 4th, which I was also going to mention early beta access starts this Friday. I think the week after it's open beta for Xbox and PC. And then I think there's one more open beta like the week before it comes out for PlayStation 4. So um, I've personally, you know, and, you know, I'm kind of the outlier here. I've been excited about this game since they first showed it. Um, I would agree the faces look weird. Uh, I quickly got over that or it seemed to be a dead stop for a lot of people. They're like, nope, faces look weird. This game sucks or that a lot of people think it looks very bland and kind of boring. I think it looks cool. I'm also a big Marvel fanboy um so they have announced uh you know they've been pretty open about what this game is going to be it's going to be a very destiny-like game there's going to be free content throughout the years potentially including new characters um in their last little uh big trailer session press conferencing they uh they announced that hawkeye is going to be one of those you know first characters that you're going to get and then literally today they just announced that spider-man will be exclusive for ps4 Um, And and that's rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. Uh, Personally, for me, I wouldn't want Spider-Man in this game, mostly because I don't think he's going to look or be as cool in this game as he was in Spider-Man 4. So it's just going to draw these bad comparisons because he's just not going to have the same fidelity. They're not not going to be able to put the amount of time and love into that character that the whole game about him was able to do. So I think he's going to look like a poor man version of Spider-Man. Um, and then personally, you know, Spider-Man is probably Marvel's like most well-known superhero. So it's kind of shitty that people on other platforms will not be able to use that character. I'm hoping it's a time exclusive and not just fully exclusive for the life of this game that people will never be able to play this character. But, you know, for me, he's not really my top tier guy anyways. And I am just looking at him like Ugh, he's just going to. He's gonna play worse than the other game, and I kind of would rather just have a different character altogether to not wow. draw those unfair comparisons.
1: Well, M- Marcus is is Spider Man for just what you call the PlayStation game that came out, or yeah, is that a, so I, uh, okay, yeah,
2: Spider Man, PS4 Spider Man, and he just called Spider Man, so there's nothing else to call it. Was a PS4 exclusive, I think. A lot of this has to do with Sony having the movie rights and. Probably there's some backdoor shady deals going on when they, you know, when Marvel was fighting to get Spider-Man back into MCU stuff, they probably said like, okay, you know, this could very well have been a contractual thing where it's like, well, we want to be the exclusive right holders to the games because they do Sony does not have the rights to the Spider-Man games. They have just been able to work with Marvel to get that PS4 game ps5 is going to launch with spider-man miles morales and now spider-man is exclusive to the ps4 version of marvel avengers so i think obviously there was some kind of deal with sony and marvel about like look at we want to make games with this character exclusively and they were okay with it so um i I do think it sucks you know exclusivity kind of sucks across the board for a lot of people it sucks less when it's the system that you own like If Spider-Man was on Xbox One, I don't think I would care that much just because of what I said before. I just feel like he's going to feel like a lesser version of the game that they literally, it was all about just controlling one character. I think that's what this game's up against. You have multiple characters. I don't think any of them are going to feel as tight as a single player game that's just hovered around one character. But, you know, I'm interested to give it a try. So, you know, if I can get into this beta this weekend, I'll definitely give you my impressions of what I played you
0: guys are are taking the diplomatic approach to it, but I'll say it. You don't got a playstation you got you got video games like why don't you have the playstation? That's the one that that won this generation why why is that not system you don't have if you want to play this game like i I'm sorry for the three xbox listeners that uh everyone I know who has an Xbox has a playstation like it's the one that won yeah that's the situation know. in our house. I'm like I don't <laughs> know why i I get that some people will be upset, but like that's the system that won like so. Um, to me, no biggie. Like that's the system you should have had, anyways.
1: Um, yeah. Um, Marcus, did you have more? Yep. That was that was it. that's all I can think of. Okay. I just want to end with this, folks. The city of Walnut Creek is getting an NBA G League team, and I'm so happy. <laughs> just so happy, Bobby. How far down is G League? Is that like? It's like, a, no, it's there, a, there,
0: the
1: there's league. only two. There's only there's only the NBA and then there's the G League. G League okay. is where they,
0: yeah. It's interesting uh, because the new aspect is um what is being started by, you mentioned it, Bob, a guy who I am know, his name is Jalen Green. Uh, he was the number one high school recruit of his class. He's half Filipino. So uh, excited to have a kid like that in the league. But he is the first player who using the uh, usually players, Would have the option of going pro overseas or going to college for one year. He is the player who's opened the door of going straight to the G League in preparation to be drafted for the following season. Um, So uh, he's leading an influx of five star recruits who are foregoing the whole college experience, the one year college experience um, to do this. So um, it's an interesting experiment in that regard as well.
1: Um, All right, boys and girls, we're going to be back next week. Um, we're going to talk about um, hopefully the Walnut Creek team has a name at that point. We vote I'm, for Bulldogs.
0: The number yeah, is vo- common, but very unoffensive mascot.
1: Yeah. No one's going to be bothered by Bulldogs or, you know what? Bears. This is California. We know Walnut Creek Bears. You know, just saying. I'm okay with it. Stefan's not complaining. Mark gave up caring about this about three minutes ago. I think it's interesting. Um,
2: Walnut Creek is a really weird – place to have a professional sports team
1: i think there was a lot of jokes that like can these kids afford to live in walnut creek on a g-league salary i mean that's exactly- <laughs> hey, that, that's something i can't speak to how much are they
2: making uh, if they're making something amassed to what you would think an office worker would make it's gonna be a little uh, tough it's
0: gonna be a little basketball tough players they'll be fine uh Jalen yeah. green is gonna make a million dollars you think so they're making
2: six six figures you think they're making? Six? Oh,
0: they're making no. They're making easy. Okay, six. that was can, a joke. They can
2: afford. It was a joke. They can live in Walnut Creek. I don't know if they can afford real estate in Walnut Creek, dude. They can I rented Walnut Creek.
1: I just am telling you. Went, you know, if they if people stop being morons and we ever allowed to go to a bar ever again, let me tell you, Stefan doesn't like coming to Walnut Creek. But when I tell him, Stefan, we're gonna go to the rooftop bar, and hang out with uh, Smelagic. Let me tell you, Stefan's gonna be here immediately. That's what's happening.
2: I would. I would say, Bob, that. I wouldn't expect them to drink in the same town they play, but the only place they can go to is like San Francisco. They're not gonna, dude. I was gonna, I was gonna say, I'm gonna
1: get on, dude. Parts. Mark, I'm not sure you know this. Stefan does. Uh, Raiders used to have this kicker named Sebastian Janikowski. Um, Sebastian got arrested in Walnut Creek ah. three times, Steph, two times, four times, a bunch of times for getting drunk in Walnut Creek and fighting people.
0: I mean, that was All right. Well, Sebastian is he was a real fat alcoholic kicker but he had a hell of a leg but he always was like yeah that's a beer gut that's that's a beer gut he's balding he, he makes no effort about his beer. dude
1: i can't wait for these kids to figure out that i learned that the bars close at 1 a.m here just i just can't wait for them to figure that out <laughs> this sleepy little hollow that is walnut creek
0: we're getting um, the times cove not going in a way don't they got nothing to worry about
1: they'll be at home
0: like the rest of us
1: um all right guys um next week we're going to talk about ufc uh 252, Cormier versus uh Miosic 3. Um, I don't know if the co-main event is Sean O'Malley versus Marlon Vera. Should be. Um, I don't know if Junior dos Santos versus Biggie Boy is I the co-main event. I feel someone should drug test Junior as much as I like him. Stefan's wearing his junior I'm shirt wearing today. I'm My I say- uh hey,
0: Nike shirt. Do you remember once upon a time Junior Dos
1: Santos had a Nike steal? Um John Dotson, this is a weird fucking card to put on pay-per-view. I just want to say that now. Um real fucking weird okay um I was doctor law that was kid presentable and that was d j mark see y'all next week peace out see ya